Good morning. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good devil's hour, whatever time you're listening. Yes. Oh, you know what just got stuck in my head is the Folgers theme song, but I think I just remixed it inappropriately. (laughs) The best part of waking up is two girls and one ghost. Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Two girls, one ghost. We are your hosts. That is Sabrina. Hello. And that is Corinne. So Corinne and I just started talking before we started recording about how I have horrible wrist pain and I like think I have carpal tunnel or I've like sprained my wrist just from overtyping. And Corinne, I too, three <laughs> days ago, got random shooting wrist pain. And then I was like, but it's in my right wrist. And Sabrina was like, it's in my right wrist. <laughs> so we're thinking there's a voodoo doll out there with both of us. With both of our names on it. Yeah, I was Googling it and everything, all the symptoms, and I was like, you need to go to a doctor. And I was like, but I didn't do anything. Is it on the outside of your wrist? It's on, like, when I bend it forward and when I bend it back, it's really strained and hurts. It hurts so bad. Yeah. But when it's just, like, sitting there in the middle, it's fine. I don't, I'm not cognizant of it unless it's, yeah, like, moving. I've been trying to ice it as much as possible, but, like, man, you use your wrist for everything. I can't turn, like. That hurts a lot doing that. <gasps> Ew, I don't like the looks of your tendons moving <laughs> like that. That's disgusting. Your wrist is disgusting, Keep Sabrina. your tendons to yourself, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, I was getting a drink with someone yesterday, mm-hmm. and we were talking about traveling, and I kept being like, oh, you should go here. You should go there. Oh, you have to check out this place. And then I didn't realize that all of the places I was suggesting were cemeteries and prisons. <laughs> and then at the end, the person was like, um, so I'm guessing you're really into that stuff because every place you've suggested is like dark and morbid. And I was like, oh, oh, I guess you I'll monitor I, myself now. At least they know who you are. You're not hiding your truths. True. I wasn't trying to hide anything. I was so excited, too. I was like, you're going to Dublin. You've got to go to the Kilmainham Jail. You've got to go here. You've got to go there. That place is haunted. Yeah. You know what I was remembering was a few years ago when I still lived in Los Angeles, you had asked me. We didn't do it. And I think it was because of the price. But And I think we were the only two people who wanted to go. Right. You wanted to do Haunted Tour like a ghost walk thing at night. I don't remember what building it was in, but you basically arrive at 1 a.m. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I could do that. And it was like a sleep no more experience. So you go in and then you interact with the actors and follow them through this place. It would have been a lot of fun. Oh, I didn't realize that there were actors and stuff. I thought it was like legit. We were just being locked in a building in the middle of the night. Oh, maybe that was a different thing. I think it was a different thing because I'm pretty sure this was just you asking me to do this one. <laughs> I mean, it was like four or five years ago, but I started thinking about it today for some reason. Well, Halloween is among us. It is. And for Halloween, we thought that we would um, give a few suggestions for costumes. Yeah so, yeah. so we've had a few listeners ask for costume suggestions and we figured why not do it on the podcast. And then we were going to do like Halloween movies of the week. 
Yes. So everyone be prepared for all of our amazing ideas. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first with your Halloween costume suggestion? Sure. My first Halloween costume suggestion is very easy. Easy to do last minute, even the day of Halloween. Oh, wow. But it does require two people. Oh. You can be a glitch in the matrix. <gasps> one person wears a sign that says Berenstein, and the other one is Berenstain. Mm. Isn't it Or you clever? could dress up as the bears if you want to get more into right. it. And if one you don't want to do it last minute. Yeah. But it can go either way. You can really go full in or you can be like, crap, I didn't realize that Halloween is today. Which happens. It, I mean, guys, it comes up really, really quick. I feel like every year I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to be. And then I don't get my costume together until the week of. What What is one of your suggestions? I also have a couple's costume, but a little bit different. Okay. So this is the demon child and their prey. And this costume requires one of you to dress up like a child and the other one to dress up like a normal human. So very easy costume as well. When you get to the party, this is also I picked all characters. So this is like more of a commitment and to your costume. Mm -hmm. So you will show up to the party with your partner and you'll just be fun. You'll be like, oh, what like people will ask, like, what are you? And you'll say like, oh, we're just a kid and, a, and an adult, you know, normal. But then as the party goes on, the little kid is going to get really creepy and then start like whispering things to the partner saying like, I'm going to kill you and all this stuff. And then throughout the party, you this possess- is like a four hour play. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's a character arc. You have you need time to evolve. <laughs> OK. All right. I'm in it. <laughs> So then throughout the party, the little kid eventually possesses the adult and the little kid will disappear and then the adult will start acting as the little kid, but they're actually possessed by a demon. Oh my gosh. If there's alcohol at that party, I don't think anyone will catch on because they'll just be (laughs) very confused. (laughs) You know what? It's a highbrow costume, so challenge accepted. It is. I mean, if you're going to like a a Halloween costume party at a house where there's only going to be like 30 people. I think that's the best place to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I will give one more suggestion. Okay. This is something I've mentioned on the podcast before. If you are a parent and you have to take your kids trick-or-treating, maybe your kids are a little bit young or they just don't want to carry all their bags of candy and you really need to bring a wagon, you should stick that wagon on the back of a tricycle you dress up as Jigsaw from Saw. It's a one-person costume, but everyone's involved. That's great. I think it's funny. It's a little creepy, too. It's so creepy, and you have to get that music that plays. <gasps> you can keep the boombox in your wagon. <gasps> Brilliant. <laughs> All right, do you have a final suggestion for this episode? I do. Again, this is a character. You can name these people whatever you want, but I went with John, and a little bit of backstory. John comes from a long family of Johns. His great grandfather <laughs> was John. His. I feel like we need to pause and explain that when it comes to Halloween, I go with punny, I go with funny, and I go with pop culture. <laughs> Sabrina goes with scary. She makes up her own characters. They don't exist anywhere else but within Sabrina's mind. But if you spend enough time with her that night, you learn the whole backstory the whole of story. her character. 
Yeah, and this is the point. Like, if you're going to commit to these characters, you need to create a story, at least in my world, and then share your story with everyone else. So, yeah, so John comes from a long line of Johns. He ha- he doesn't have a kid yet, but he plans on naming his kid John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the costume's very easy. You just show up um, and in any casual outfit. You might want to blend in a little bit because throughout the night – You'll like get attracted to one person in a weird, unhealthy way. And you pull out a camera and you might find a perch, a tree, a window, um, wherever you wish, and take photos of said person. Way to ruin this person's night. You better know this person. (laughs) You have to pick a friend. It's a friend. You have to pick a friend. Oh my gosh. You don't want to get arrested on Halloween. And um, then you take a photo and send it to said person and say, I'm watching you. And that is John the stalker. Wow. This kind of reminds me of that one date I went on when they snuck a photo of me and sent it to me while I was still on the date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awkward. (sighs) Well, that's an interesting costume situation. (laughs) (laughs) These are easy costumes to do. It's more about the character and like let – and one note I will say – um, if you're going to go with character, um, you are no longer yourself on Halloween. You are whoever you dress up as. Yeah, you have to commit to it the entire night. The you entire night. You cannot break character. No, no. Nope. All right. This isn't a night for friendship. This is a night for creepiness. So our first four suggestions are uh, Jigsaw from Saw, Berenstein and Berenstain Glitch in the Matrix, John the Stalker, <laughs> and a little child who eventually possesses their adult friend throughout the night. Yep. And what Halloween movie are you watching this week, Sabrina? I actually watched it last night while I was doing my research, but I watched Practical Magic. Are you kidding me? I was going to say that. <laughs> no way. Really? Oh my gosh. Well, I guess we both start with Practical Magic. <laughs> I obviously was going to say Harry Potter every week, but that's, you know, not It's fair. That's not a Halloween. <gasps> yes, it... What? We haven't talked about it. What? No longer is 13 Nights of Halloween. It's 31 Nights I of Halloween. Know. We are going to have 31 days of Halloween movies. Yes. But we can extend it if you want to follow our movie list. Make it longer. Make it two months of Halloween movies. 66 days of Halloween <gasps> movies. 666 days of Halloween movies. Two <laughs> years worth. <laughs> oh, God, it will never end. Or 666 hours of Halloween movies. Stay up that long watching continuous movies. Okay, well, since you said practical magic, I'm going to change my mind. Okay, what's yours? Because I was talking about it yesterday um hocus pocus it is my favorite halloween movie yeah but i like to i mean realistically i watch it like 12 times a year once a month just to get excited (laughs) just to remind yourself of what's out there what's coming but if you ever come to massachusetts and go to salem and marblehead you can do what sabrina and i did last year which is do well we didn't join the actual hocus pocus tour but we did an unofficial right. hocus pocus tour where we went yeah. to the cemetery where max got his shoes stolen and we went to allison's house and max and mm-hmm. danny's house we did mm-hmm. the whole thing we did everything yeah and Corinne was our tour guide it was great yes i'd never been but i googled it and pretended like i knew what i was doing <laughs> that's what i do you every really time need to know the visits. movie and then you once you get there you're like this is where such and such happened yeah 
it was hard though because we were pulling up the picture like the frame from the movie and we were trying to find exactly which tombstones oh yeah that one was hard we think we found it we think we found it but they might have sunk into the ground a little bit more since (laughs) it's been it's been some time during this halloween season you might meet a potential mate you know someone who's just as weird and creepy as you maybe you go as one berenstein bear and then you find your berenstein this is a topic we picked a long, long time ago. Long time ago. Yes. We are discussing haunted New Orleans. New Orleans. I was going to say, do you say New Orleans? I say New Orleans. I think it was just the way that I extended the word. It came out wrong. How do people New in New Orleans say it? New Orleans? I don't know. I used to know this. I've never been. I really want to go. I want to go to. I want to go specifically to go get beignets. I want to do the uh, Bayou tour. That would be interesting too. I'm mostly there for the food, but <laughs> am I you, first? You are first, I believe. Okay. I think yes. Right? Okay, mm-hmm. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I chose Marie Delphine Lalaurie. All right, or Madame Lalaurie. Cue all of the American Horror Story fans going crazy. Exactly. And the new season actually starts tonight or, well, Wednesday, September 12th. So you might recognize the name because Kathy Bates did play her in season three of American Horror Story Coven. Which Kathy Bates is a god when it comes to acting and being these awful messed up characters. So she did great. Her character in Misery is amazing. Yes. You cock-a-doody. Okay. So who was Marie Delphine LaLaurie in real life? I'm going to give a disclaimer now. This story is graphic and somewhat disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are faint of heart or easily throw up from disturbing things, just be aware. Maybe have a barf bag around. Don't stop listening. <laughs> or just skip over to my story. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. This is a team effort. Mine's pretty fucked too. <laughs> Okay, so she was born Marie Delphine McCarthy on March 19th, 1787. What? 171877. 171877. We're in the future by a thousand years. Wow. Whoa, way more than that. 10,000 years. My wrist. My wrist is acting up. I know. I was just thinking voodoo dolls got your tongue. (laughs) Not my tongue, too. Okay. She was born Marie Delphine McCarthy on March 19, 1787, in New Orleans during the Spanish colonial period in Louisiana. She was one of five children and raised in a prominent family in the town's European Creole community. And her uncle was the governor and her cousin was the mayor. So she was born into a very elite family, something that played a large role in her future life. Yep. She was married twice. Both husbands died, leaving her widowed. And while she married her second husband, John Blanc, she had four children. Then he died. And then in 1825, she met and married Dr. Leonard Louis Nuclos LaLaurie. Long name. Whew. Mouthful. Yes. He was a man much younger than her. So she was a cougar. Good for her. And in 1831, Marie bought a property at 1140 Royal Street in her own name, which was a big deal because... I mean, it's 1831. Women didn't have right many rights, and 
owning a property without a man was very unheard of. Speaking of, my mom, when she bought a home last year, in the paperwork, it literally said her name and then it said, in all caps, an unmarried woman. <laughs> That's horrible. It's horrible. Why it's does 2018. It, it doesn't. Married or not in a home. It doesn't. It's insane. My mom sent me a picture of it and I was like, that is ridiculous. I named a pilot an unmarried woman because of that. Oh, see, that idea would never have sparked had your mom not gone through that. Right. My mom is a great inspiration to me. Okay, so Marie bought this home or this property and then she built a mansion on the property in 1832 and she made sure it had accommodations for her slaves and she moved in with her husband and two of her daughters. Marie was this idolized woman in society in New Orleans and she hosted beautiful parties at her home and she was just like always known as this well-dressed, kind woman out on the streets. If you saw her, it was like, ooh, Marie, you know, like everyone loved her. And everyone thought she was very kind and considerate. She was nice to everyone she met, including the men, women, and children who were enslaved. And uh, meanwhile, she harbored a very dark secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A secret that remained unknown until April 10th, 1834, when a fire broke out in the mansion at 1140 Royal Street. And townspeople started to gather because the fire was building. And... They found Marie scrambling through the home, grabbing all her valuables, and people were like, oh, Marie, where are your slaves? Because it was uncommon to see her without them. And Marie turned to them and like kind of gave them an evil glare and said, mind your own damn business. Oh, gosh. And then her neighbors start hearing screams pouring out of the attic of the home, and they were like, okay, something is wrong. These poor innocent people are stuck in the home. So they rush in and try to save them. And what they found caused a lot of them to vomit from the sight and smell. Mm-hmm. Upon opening the door to the attic, the previously respectable member of society became now known as the Savage Mistress of New Orleans. So what did they find? They found the torture chamber of Madame Marie Delphine Lalaurie. They found slaves chained, scarred, starving, tied and shackled in the attic. A paper after the fire noted that seven of them were suspended by their necks and badly mutilated. They found... I know it's gruesome I I already know the story and I've you know seen reenactment videos but it just it never gets better no they found a man with a hole in his head filled with maggots and there were some reports that said (laughs) that there was like a wooden spoon next to him and that apparently she would stir his brains oh my oh yeah. This is like some freaking Silence of the Lambs shit. It's horrible. Yeah. The undeserving men, women, and children had welts all over their bodies. They were emaciated. Uh, a lot of them were forced to wear iron collars with inward-facing spikes so that if they were to lay down or try to sleep, they'd get a spike stuck in their neck. Oh, my God. How did she think of this shit? She's so messed up. The worst part of it is that it sounds like a nightmarish museum, but this is actually one of the and I quote, this is a quote that I read. It was, these were typical forms of punishment at the time in Louisiana. Oh my gosh. Louisiana guys, you, y'all were messed up. I mean, slavery in general is just messed up. Right. And I think I'm assuming here, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this extent of tortures at the time was extreme because clearly it shocked everyone. Well, yeah, you don't it's not a punishment to drill a hole in someone's head, right. put maggots, let maggots go in and stir the brain. That's not punishment. That's that's just sick. Yes. So yeah, over time the stories have been 
exaggerated. So it's not clear what are the true stories because there are shows like American Horror Story, for example, that have uh, dramatized her story. And then there are books. That yeah, have they had her like painting her face, like giving her blood. blood facials mm-hmm. from her victims. Yeah. And then, you know, people try to sell things. So they dramatize things. And then it's kind of a game of telephone throughout the years. What has been changed or what is the same so regardless there are more stories there are stories of slaves within an inch of their lives their eyes gouged out skin flayed and mouths filled with excrement and then sewn shut another report claims a woman whose bones had been broken to and reset to make her look like a crab one report documents a woman wrapped in human intestines and that the attic was filled with bodies mutilated beyond recognition and there is another body that in addition to the sewing mouths shut with feces she have also reportedly dismembered a woman to make her look like a human caterpillar by removing her arms and peeling back her skin. Oh, I am such a big fainter. This was not a good story for me to listen to. I gave you a disclaimer. You could have tuned out. Uh, okay, I'm going to right now. It's like the hold music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please hold for Corinne fainting. Okay, I'm going to move on from the horrific images. Okay, thank you. Uh, she got away with it for so long and it's just i mean it blows my mind that she that no one reported it i mean her neighbors heard screams in the middle of the night and like they knew that she there had to be some inkling that she was doing this right Right. and it said that she had over a hundred victims and <gasps> that like slaves that went in the home kind of never came out and it's so hard. how did everyone say oh she's so lo- lovely she's so I pleasant like wouldn't you see the fear in the slaves eyes she was always with them I don't know. There was one instance actually where she was nearly caught because in 1833, there was a young girl. Her name was Leah. She was 12 years old and she was born into slavery and then enslaved by LaLaurie. And she was tasked to brush her hair, Madame LaLaurie's hair. And while she was brushing her hair, the brush snagged and got caught in Madame LaLaurie's hair which caused her to become enraged. And so she chased the young girl with a whip and was like trying to whip her. She chased the girl all the way up to the attic and the little girl climbed onto the roof and jumped <laughs> rather than face LaLaurie. Well, yeah, because I'm sure she knew what yeah happened what to fate. other people. Yeah. And then LaLaurie dragged her limp body off the pavement. Sorry, I guess I'm not going to go away from the scary graphic things. but Great. And she buried it. And witnesses saw her bury the body and reported it. But what did the authorities do? They fined her $300 and then made her sell nine of her her slaves, which she then thwarted by selling them and making her family members rebuy them and sell them back to her. Ugh. It's just so horrible. There are some people who try to, like, give her a reason for why she was so horrible, but nothing There's excuses. no reason. There's, there's no reason to be this horrendous and there's no excuse. But... The beliefs that people have, things that may have triggered her or inspired her horrible reign, was that her husband, Louis, was experimenting with Haitian voodoo potions and was trying to create more docile servants. And so in doing so, he began mutilating the slaves in half-medical experiments that he forced Marie to join him in. But I also think that they just found each other and both had this sick, this illness of like, just like disturbed sickness. It'd be one thing if she was always participating with him, but she did a lot on her own, which that was, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they were both just monsters. There was also, I guess her uncle was killed by a slave in 1777 and then there was there's like a whole slave rebellion during that time. And so violence upon slaves was 
really, really horrible during her youth while she was growing up. So she probably saw her family and relatives being awful to slaves, which maybe made her think it was okay, but it's not. And she's a monster. I mean, even then, you know, right? Right. Don't you know when something's wrong, even if you grew up in the face of it? Mm -hmm. Like there are plenty of people who've witnessed horrific things and they don't go around and do the same exact thing. For example, her daughters. Marie's daughters would try to sneak food to the slaves because they were like, this is so awful. And Marie would beat them if she caught them. Why did no one just... I mean, this is like fighting violence with violence, but how did no one snap and just kill her? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you're going to fling your body off of the roof to save yourself, you may as well save the others by risking your life to kill your captor. Who knows? It's hard to hard to go back in, pa- in the past and wonder why well, things Well, if happen. ever time machines become a thing when we're alive, we can go back and we can... We can correct the wrongs. Yes. Okay. So after the fire, La Lorie fled to Paris with her husband, where many people believe she died. And there's a tombstone in New Orleans that says that she died in Paris. And the year says 1842, but Paris records say 1849. And so people think that she actually faked her death in Paris and returned to New Orleans under another name because her spirit is still in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So the La Lorie mansion... I'll start with a quote. You know how other people have beachfront properties? I have a ghostfront property. That's a quote (laughs) from a local in New Orleans. (laughs) So after the fire, uh, stories of ghosts and hauntings at 1140 Royal Street began almost immediately. When Madame LaLaurie fled, a mob of angry civilians ransacked and vandalized the house to an unrecognizable state of ruin. But at night, people would walk by the property, which was now basically in ruins, and they'd hear screams coming from the land. Oh, wow. And some stories said that people would go into the home and never be seen again. The house was rebuilt and sold to a man in 1837 who, after three months, could no longer live there because his experiences were so horrible. He'd hear strange noises. He'd hear cries and groans in the middle of the night. And he left and tried to sell rooms to tenants, but they all left after, like, complaining of terrors in the night. That just makes me so sad because, yeah, most likely the spirits – that are there were the ones that were tortured in their real life. So I want them to find peace and I want them to move on because what a torturous life to continue living in the place that oppressed you in Mm -hmm. your physical body. It's so sad. After the Civil War, the home was then turned into a high school. There were multiple different high schools. There was an integrated uh, high school. There was a segregated high school. And throughout all of the years of the school, of the building being a school, many of the female students would say that they were being physically attacked. And when the teachers would ask by who, they'd all say the same thing. That woman. <sighs> Another strange thing that happened was that this wealthy New Orleans man named Jules Vigine, 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 <laughs> Vigine. Jules, Jules Vigine was found dead in the mansion and he appeared to be like secretly living in the home. He, but he was also living in filth. Like the house was dirty. He had hidden bags of money and I think it was over several thousand dollars found in the home hidden without the, with, throughout the home. And so there were rumors circulating about a hidden treasure. But it was never found. Uh, In the 1890s, many Italian immigrants moved to America and the house was converted into cheap housing for immigrants. But the tenants got a lot more than they paid for. One occupant encountered a black man who was naked and constrained by chains. And when the 
tenant tried to start a conversation, the apparition charged towards him and then vanished. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Others heard dragging of chains down the stairs in the middle of the night. They would hear screams and banging. Children were attacked by a ghost with a whip, which they believe was Marie. Animals were found butchered around the house. <gasps> and there were translucent figures appearing in wrapped in shrouds. One night, a tenant went to bed only to awake to find a woman in elegant clothing leaning over her sleeping child. Then oh, every person who occupied this home or this building could no longer live there. Like, they couldn't find tenants to stay at that house, so they it closed. It became the haunted saloon, and then it became a furniture store, but the owner of the furniture store found that all of his furniture would be covered in a mysterious foul-smelling fluid, and he thought that there were people vandalizing his store, but it was a ghost. Wow. Ooh, fluids? Oh, how do they yeah. do that? And it sounds like kind of dark and evil, like to have that foul smell. In addition to Lullory's spirit standing over a child and whipping children, she apparently attempted to strangle a man. So this black man, who I believe was a servant at the time, was sleeping when he awoke to f- the feeling of hands gripping his neck. Someone was trying to strangle him. But it wasn't just anyone. It was a ghost. He woke up and gasped for air and saw a semi-transparent figure of a young Marie LaLaurie wrapping her hands around his neck. That is so scary because, like, who would want to go there if you're going to be physically abused? Uh, Today, people who pass the building report fainting or becoming nauseous or hearing disembodied screams or wailing. There's one instance or a few instances where people see a young girl jumping from the roof, which is believed to be Leah, the young 12-year-old girl who... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like all of all of the spirits seem to just be stuck there and like replaying. They did, but now actually the new owners say they haven't experienced much and that when they were doing remodeling, they actually unearthed skeletal remains in the backyard and they believe that maybe the spiritual or paranormal encounters have stopped after the bodies and bones of these slaves were uncovered. Oh, okay. But the home is a private owned property, so no one really can go in there. So there's no way to verify if the paranormal experiences have stopped. Right. Or I wonder if maybe the new owners are so pure of heart that the spirits finally felt comfortable and could move on. They no longer felt in danger. I hope. That's so sweet. I hope they found peace. Trying to turn it around. (laughs) After how dark it is, yeah. From the awfulness that it's been. I know. Yeah. I read a little bit about the home now, but it's not paranormal whatsoever but if people are interested the home is beautifully decorated and there are lots of articles about the home and its decoration and trying to stay true to that time in new orleans history Mm -hmm. and there are many groups that do ghost tours and stop at the home and talk about it i would love to do that stop in front of it i mean Uh i wonder if you get like very bad vibes i wonder if people ever feel like nauseous or yeah, people faint and Injured. get nauseous outside of the house. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How horrible. So horrible. Damn. Super haunted, super awful history. People, I it just, like, blows my mind. And I say that this is what happened in the past, but, like, we're just as horrible today. Yeah. Plenty. Plenty of places of people just as bad. Um, 
the whole is it bad that the whole entire time you were talking i still pictured kathy bates no i mean that's the hard thing is when because kathy bates is such an iconic actress yes that's such a an amazing role that of course it's gonna be in your mind yeah she was great everyone should watch that season of american horror story yeah, Coven, season three. And she's going to be in, Kathy Bates will be in this season, season eight, too. Yes. I'm so yes. stoked that all the witches are being brought back for this season. Me, too. I don't even know what this season is about. It's the apocalypse, so I think it's the end of the world. And everyone from every time is all together? I don't know how it works, but I think they're all in a bunker based on the trailer. Okay. You and just have to Satan. kind of suspend any disbelief when you watch American Horror Story because yes. there are plenty of things where you're like wait what yeah but just gotta let yourself be in it what did you pick something that's also somewhat messed up but not as messed up as yours we are probably pretty close to the house that you chose i feel like a lot of them are you okay oh my god my hand is like tingling it's so numb you definitely have carpal tunnel mine just feels sprained no but that was my uh, this is my other hand <gasps> Ooh! oh my gosh do you think that we're not supposed to be talking about New Orleans and so somewhere a spirit in New Orleans is telling some voodoo priestess to stop us? Yeah. I mean, we we already did a voodoo episode. We know that voodoo isn't bad, yeah. but there are some people that misuse all religions. Right. So we're not singling out voodoo people as being bad. Just want to reiterate. But also, I want my hands back. But also give us our wrists back. <laughs> It's something so little and simple, and then you don't realize until it really hurts that yeah. how much you do use your wrist for and how much you for need For everything. Them. Even driving has, like, to work this morning hurt. Yeah. We're going to have to amputate our hands. Maybe too much time on the computer, perhaps? Okay. Okay. But now we are back in New Orleans. We are in the French Quarter, which is a very popular place if you've ever been. That's where a lot of the signs, I believe, hang that say, like, this property is haunted and all Ooh. that. Mm-hmm. And we are going to discuss the Sultan House Massacre at 716 Dauphine Street. This house was previously known as the Gardette Le Pret Mansion or Gardet Le Pre Mansion. I don't know how you say it. This three and a half story house was built for a dentist named Joseph Colton Gardette in 1836. Um, It was pink and it was relatively plain until Jean-Baptiste Le Pret. A wealthy Creole plantation owner, he took it over and he added some embellishments, including the sort of iconic wraparound balcony. It has this like beautiful iron wrapping around the balcony. So it's a very recognizable house or mansion. Excuse me. I love the architecture in New Orleans. It's so cool. The LaPrey family unfortunately had some money problems and the Citizens Bank of New Orleans were forced to foreclose the property. Fun fact, this bank that foreclosed the property was actually founded in the house's parlor. So kind of ironic that it was founded there and then had to shut that place down. Yeah, This house is also on the National Registry of Historic Places. Wow. So at some point in the 1800s when they were having some money probs, LaPrey rented, supposedly, rented this home to a Turkish sultan in order to pay for some of the property and hopefully keep his house. Mm -hmm. And the sultan arrived on a ship. Everyone saw the ship arrive at the port. All these women and buff men got off. They were wearing these like beautiful, colorful silk outfits. They had all these silks and satins with them, fine furniture, beautiful rugs. I'm just thinking about the rugs. I'm sure they were (laughs) beautiful. 
I would like one of those rugs. Um, men in military clothing, carrying weapons came off. Like, it was a whole sight to see. He had so an entourage. He freaking did. And everyone's like, well, who the heck is this guy? And the sultan just marched his party to his house and he set up shop. He bawled out and hosted these like lavish and like sexy parties. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sexy is the sex. sexy sultan. Sexy sultan. Um, and as soon as he moved in, he, he was definitely wasn't very welcoming to his new neighbors because he moved in. He immediately put heavy drapery on all the windows. He hung them so that no one can look in. He put extra locks on the front door and locked the gate that led to the house and men stood outside secrets so many secrets anyone who has heavy heavy drapery i think what secret are they hiding well this guy had a secret and we'll get there okay um he also had guards so basically those men that were wearing the uniforms with the weapons he had them guarding the gates at all hours definitely a secret right what is he hiding? What is he protecting? I also read that no one would ever like basically like, come out or go in. No one was allowed to go in. And so if ever they got packages, they would just be left on the doorstep. And then the next day, that person who delivered them would have to come back and they would payment would be left on the doorstep. Like the package would be gone and payment would be left. But like they, oh my there gosh. was no interaction with anyone in the house and outside of it. So but he has all these men and women he came with in his house, right? Yeah, they're all staying inside and smoking opium and having Doing sexy times. <laughs> Using Lola condoms. <laughs> Using Lola condoms, hopefully being safe. Probably not, though. Um, the sound of music and the smell of incense and opium would waft from the house. And there were many young women inside entertaining the men. And people would report hearing, like, giggling and sexual noises coming from the house as well. <laughs> The locals obviously were not big fans of the sultan and his parties. Like, the fact that they weren't allowed in only added to their suspicions about him. So they were like, yeah. It sounds like they were pretty jealous. They're like, why are you having these parties and I'm not invited? Or it's just like, who's this weirdo who just moved in and took over our neighborhood and is like blasting music at night? And he wasn't yeah. a good neighbor. Typical party sultan, right? <laughs> Typical party sexy sultan. <laughs> We all know one of those guys. <laughs> Do we? I'm trying to think now. Do you know any sultans? <laughs> I mean, uh, so these parties happened like pretty much nightly. And it was at one of these parties that the sultan and his party guests were murdered. Blood oh. trickled down the front steps onto the sidewalk, which alerted a neighbor who was passing by that something very awful had happened. So the neighbor rushed to call the police and the police came and they found the scene of a horrible massacre. Oh my God, I thought he was going to do something. No, man, he was murdered. Every person in the house was murdered. <laughs> and all of them were dismembered. <gasps> it was such an awful sight. And the smell was so horrible that some of the officers couldn't continue and go inside. Others were vomiting. And the ones who did go in said that the floor was so slicked with blood that they had trouble walking through the home. There were oh. organs and body parts flung everywhere, flung up on the staircase. And the body parts were so scattered that it was impossible to tell which part belonged to who. And so none of the bodies were ever identified except for one. 
They venture into the backyard garden and they find a hand protruding from the earth. At first, they think it's a glove. They think it's evidence. They go up and they're like, ooh, we're going to get evidence. Of course, not DNA because this is in the 1800s, but they're like (laughs) a glove. Yeah. Yes. So they go up. It's a freaking hand protruding (gasps) from the earth. And this hand belonged to the sultan who was seemingly beaten and buried alive. Oh, I had heard like very small stories of this and i had i did not know any of this it's wild and here's the other thing a lot of people don't believe it happened because there are no records but it was the 1800s yeah people believe it to be folklore but i don't know but it was the 1800s and also this guy was a renter he didn't own the house so there wouldn't really be records because i'm sure this guy that was like you know out of luck in the money department wasn't like you need to sign here and sign here he's like no just give me the money and you can stay I'm right. in trouble and I'm trying to save my family. They probably didn't have contracts that said Sultan leasing. Unmarried the home. man. An unmarried sexual man. Sexy party Sultan. <laughs> That's what his contract said. So yeah. he signed his paperwork. <laughs> okay, so they discovered the Sultan in the in the backyard, and that's when they made another discovery. It's a twist to the story. The sultan was not actually the sultan at all, but the sultan's brother. And this brother had stolen the real sultan's women and possessions, and he fled to New Orleans. And apparently, he stashed away boxes of treasure in the house. And that's why, I mean, the guards were kept there, one, for protection of treasure, but then also because the real sultan probably wanted to kill some retribution. So he was probably coming to kill them. So they believe that the murder of everyone is thought to be done by the real sultan who hired hitmen to kill his brother and everyone in the home. Okay, I was going to say, I can't imagine one individual doing that massacre, but now it makes sense if he hired hitmen. Uh, It was a hired group. He kept his hands clean of physical. Another rumor was that there was a pirate ship which had been docked for only a day that had learned about the treasure. And then they massacred the home. But I don't believe that one. I think it's the sultan. Yeah. Because why would that one, why would the fake sultan be singled out and everyone else brutally murdered and dismembered? Right. Meanwhile, he's tortured and buried alive. Seems too targeted. Pirates, I feel like, are also, again, this might be a stereotype because I never lived in a time of pirates and it might just be based on movies. Well, there are pirates, just not in America. Right. Yes, you're right. But I just feel like pirates of that time are usually depicted as, like, loud and, like, ransacking homes. And, like, people would have noticed that. Whereas hitmen, I feel like, are more stealth and go in and just, like, murder everyone. Well, I guess there's only one way to find an answer. I guess we have to go to St. Augustine and find Andrew and ask him what life was like. (laughs) I think that's the only solution. We couldn't go do a Ouija board. (laughs) the only one (laughs) we couldn't create a time machine (laughs) okay so like i said there's no written evidence of the mass murder many believe it to be folklore but the evidence may lie with the spirits that reside in the mansion Ooh. in 1966 two investors bought the property and they planned to restore it and create six different apartments within it and one of the investors was i mean they were i think staying the night in the in the place that they were flipping Mm -hmm. and one of the investors wives said that while they were there something weird what it always felt like something was off that something weird was going on Hmm. she said she woke up one night and at the foot of her bed she saw 
the figure of a man who started to approach her side of the bed walking towards her. (gasps) So she freaked out and she quickly turned the light on next to her bed and no one was there. The figure of the man was gone. No one was standing there. And there's also a strange tree in the backyard that is in the same location where the sultan's brother was supposedly buried. Mm. And there's a new addition put on to the house. But I guess the way that the tree grows, it's almost as if it's growing up from the addition. Like it's trying to crawl away. That's creepy. Yes. Paranormal occurrences have been reported from the sultan's palace for over a century by both residents and visitors people have claimed to hear the sound of the sultan's music late at night like a little tinkling music he's still partying right he is uh people have smelled incense wafting from the home there are also two spirits who are thought to be the main ghosts that haunt the sultan's palace and they i mean they might not be related to what happened here because Hmm. one is a confederate soldier who's seen wearing military uniforms but I also wonder if maybe that uniform is confused with the uniform of the Sultan's guards. Oh, okay. And then the other is a woman, but perhaps a woman from the night of the murders. Other paranormal activity includes figures that are walking in this like oriental garb, you know, their traditional Turkish dress, um, Mm -hmm. phantoms screaming, and the sound of body parts hitting the floor. (gasps) What? Just a... There goes I just imagine a big liver just being dropped from a balcony onto the marble floor. <laughs> so gross. Yep. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what people hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I visualized it real good in there. In real good. Yep. Real good. We're in a good place with this episode. Yep. We're still smiling, although we don't feel it on the inside. Another spirit is seen by those who are in the home, and that is one of a young man with light hair. He's usually seen late night to very early morning, and sometimes people, when it is the wee hours of the morning, they spot him sitting in one of the windows, sort of like looking Mm. out. And people believe that this actually may be the spirit of the sultan, or like the sultan's brother, the fake sultan. Right. The the imposter sexy, the sexy sultan imposter. Yes. The sexy party sultan. Party. Yeah. Imposter. (laughs) (laughs) His name is getting too long. We don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> we're, just, <laughs> we're making all this stuff up. Let's about just him. assume Corinne's attracted to him because he's a ghost. <laughs> oh man, I really need to reevaluate <laughs> myself. <laughs> now that you say it out loud, it sounds bad. <laughs> um, also, I think that there's something aggressive, something evil there. And I don't know if it's one of the spirits of someone who was murdered there or if it's something much darker. But one resident, oh, by the way, there are apartments now. Um, one resident was heading down the stairs to do some laundry when he witnessed his dog being shoved down the stairs (gasps) by an unseen force. No. His poor dog was pushed down the stairs and the dog was so scared. And I guess Mm. the dog would refuse also to go into the living room unless someone carried him into the living room. So there was something in that place that was like not dog friendly. Yeah. Whether it be demonic or whether it just be the spirit of a person who hated dogs. I don't know. Right. But I hate that ghost. Like I said, there are apartments. I believe there are six apartments. So you can actually live there today. And I looked on Zillow and there are some listings. So you could totally 
go look. Some of the apartments are a bit more updated than others. Like I saw one that had a lot of white and looked like new countertops and whatnot. But then some of them are like, looks much more old and ornate with all this like wood furnishing and everything. Oh my gosh, they're just so beautiful. They're beautiful to the point where you you think like maybe I'll move there to deal with the ghosts. Like maybe I could deal with them just so I can live here. But maybe not. The current owner of the property does not believe that the Sultan Sultan massacre happened, but she does admit that she's noticed keys go missing and never reappear and that she doesn't always feel quite alone when she's in the building. Hmm. So she acknowledges the ghosts, but not the massacre. Exactly. And if you're ever in New Orleans, you can totally go see this place very, very easily. It is one block away from Bourbon Street, which is like the poppin' popular touristy street. This place is stunning. Isn't it? It's beautiful. There's just this like beautiful wrought iron lace like Uh fencing that goes along the balcony. Oh, and the view from the balcony is gorgeous. You know what I always wonder is if going back to The Matrix, which you talked about earlier, I wonder if people who live in these places ever have like glitches in the matrix and like kind of go back in time in the place and like get a glimpse into what happened there. Oh, I wonder. I guess we have to move in. I know. Like they, maybe they think it's a dream. They're like, oh, I'm just dreaming this because I live here and I know the story. Right. But all of a sudden they're smelling incense and hearing giggles and seeing all of the People new decoration. <laughs> the drapes. I'm thinking and of non-sexual things to list. The drapes, pillows. It turns into a nightmare where there's a lot of blood. Oh my God, that would be a horrible twist. But you never really want to go there because it's not pet friendly. So you couldn't yeah. bring Leia. Yeah, I love Leia too much. I don't want to put her in danger. Okay, shall I read my story? Yes. I like how we say my story, but really it's a listener's story. It doesn't belong <laughs> to us. But it's the story that I read and responded to and chose for this episode. Okay. This is from A. And her subject line is, it's exorcism time. Hey, guys. I thought it was time to get a little spooky or a lot spooky, actually. I always tell people who are skeptics this story and they get that trapped look because they know I'm telling the truth and have tons of witnesses, but they also deeply don't want to admit to themselves it's true. Silly skeptics. (laughs) See, skeptics are the biggest believers. Yes, they just don't want to believe because it's so scary. Mm -hmm. So a few years ago, when I was in college for my first degree in music, I lived in New Orleans. I lived in this super old house, which is not uncommon because all of the houses are old in NOLA. The plan was that two of my good girlfriends would live there with me. But when I moved in over the summer, they were still in respective places out of state. So I was alone and I was fine. Nothing weird happened. The only weird thing was that this door in the kitchen, the door that went out to the covered spiral staircase in the backyard, it had... 13 locks on it. Why? What did we say about locks? If you have a bunch of locks, there's a secret. Locks and drapes, there's secrets hidden behind those. So I'm, of course, a little wigged by it, but people in New Orleans are eccentric and strange, and I've seen weirder stuff than that. For all I knew, it was some strange voodoo thing or protection charm. So I lived alone for a few months, and then my friends showed up and moved in, and everything was great. Until one night when I was woken by the sound of a door slamming over and over. So I get up and check the front door. It's closed. And then I move to the kitchen in the back of the house, and the door with 13 locks is open and swinging. Oh, <gasps> that's a yes. lot of locks to get through. Mm-hmm. And it's disconcerting because it leads to a covered staircase. So where was that wind coming from? 
More importantly, how did the door get open? At this point, I should say that the front door was weird. It needed a key from the inside to be able to lock it or unlock it. And it was down to very steep steps. So my logical mind assumes one of the girls just told their boyfriend or girlfriend to go out the back door and then didn't lock it back when they left. As for the wind, well... I didn't really sweat it. The next day, I talked to the girls and say, listen, murderers and other people will come in and rape and kill us, so let's not leave the back door open. And they look at me with this questioning look and proceed to tell me that neither of them opened the door. So now I'm thoroughly freaked out, and the 13 locks are starting to make sense. It's mighty hard for a ghost to open 13 latches. Over the next few months, we are messed with quite a lot by our ghost mostly in the kitchen with the telltale get the hell out signs. (laughs) Like I would come into the kitchen in the morning to make coffee and every cabinet and drawer would be open. He kept opening the back door, of course, and he would knock entire stacks of dishes off the side of the sink or into the sink and break them. We were getting fed up. Then the ghost got quiet for a little while and life went back to normal. One night we decided to have a party and we were all hanging out with friends, nothing crazy, just having wine and hanging out. One of my friends, we'll call her Carmen, had been missing for a minute but she wasn't in the bathroom, so we went looking for her. We found her slumped over in the hallway, and she was green, which is not an easy color for a Latina girl to get to. We were like, oh, no, did she drink too much? It wasn't really that kind of party, and she wasn't really a drinker, so we pick her up and take her into my bedroom where it's quiet and lay her down. She then proceeds to tell us that we have a ghost in our house, and he is not happy we are here, and he wants us to leave because he really doesn't like women. Okay, all right. I felt a little like that moment when an explosion happens in a movie and everything fades to a pinpoint of black and all you hear are ringing in your ears. Turns out Carmen technically died when she was six years old and then was brought back after a couple of minutes and ever since then has been able to communicate or see certain spirits. You're kidding. That's a superpower. She came back with a superpower. Yes. She doesn't talk about it because she doesn't want people to think she's crazy. But we, of course, knew that we have a ghost. So we're like, well, yeah. Another good friend is there who has been practicing witchcraft for many years, and she offers to do a ritual that will hopefully help him move on, and we take her up on it. So that weekend, she comes over. I was over at my boyfriend's and missed it, but apparently shit hit the fan. Carmen helped contact him while Eliza, my witch friend, did the ritual to help him leave. He tried to physically attack Carmen. He upset everyone. They ended up leaving the house, and everyone was crying out in the front yard. He did something that emotionally ravaged everyone who was there, and for days, it was like they were hungover and depressed. We then had a priest come in and bless the house, bless every doorway, and essentially try to help us rid the spirit from the house. He didn't do a full exorcism, but he was a family friend of one of my roommates, and he believed us. He knew she would never make any of this up, and so he urged us not to mess with it anymore, as it could cause serious, lasting damage. At this point, I'm barely living there because I'm freaked and my room was the most active other than the kitchen. He would sit on the bed while I was sleeping, hide my stuff, turn the AC on and off. But mostly, he affected me emotionally. I just felt sad whenever I was in my room. The girls decided they were going to do one more good exercising ritual and get rid of him. They go through a hellish experience. They covered all of the reflective services so he couldn't use any of them against him. The whole ordeal. And eventually, they win. They get rid of him. And the next time I come home, it was a diff- completely different place. It felt light and sunny instead of like a tomb. And for months after that, I kept the sheets over all of the reflective services because I would have had nightmares about him. But eventually, they stopped and everything went back to normal. The 13 locked door stayed closed and my dishes stayed unbroken. So I guess the moral of the story is always have a witch, a priest, and a medium available for parties. You never know when you'll need them. See y'all on the other side. A. Wow. Okay. Well, there was a lot going on in that house. Yep. Like, it's not just 
feeling a presence or seeing someone lurking at night when you sleep. It's like things were being broken, things were being slammed, Mm -hmm. people were being attacked. And it's clear that the owners of the home knew this stuff was going on, and that's why they put so many locks on the door. Right. Such a strong presence. But it makes me wonder why 13 locks. Like, I mean, I know there's so much superstition around the number, but I wonder if there's a reason for 13. Like, it reminds me of the Winchester Mystery House. Yeah. I wonder if maybe they went to see someone who was like, you must put 13 locks right. and blah, 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 and say this spell. And Yeah. I'm so curious also about who this man was and like why he was so awful. And was he attached to the house? What's his story, you know? He seems almost too powerful to just be like your run-of-the-mill resident ghost, right? Yeah. But like maybe he's gained more power through the years just from like feeding off fear or I don't know. I but don't the know fact either. that he told Carmen that he did not like women and he didn't want them there is terrifying. Very scary. Oh my gosh. And in a way that made her go into a ball on the floor and turn green, you know? I know. And that she dreamt about him at night, you know? Like, I wonder what... That's so scary. Very scary. I have one that's kind of freaky as well. Oh, good. This is from Anne. She sent us a few of her stories, but I'm just going to read a few of them. Okay. Hi, I love your podcast and I'm taking a break from binging them to write you my story. I'm 54, lead a normal life, married, fledging kids, two dogs, one cat. All my life I've had weird experiences, so I'm just going to list them because binging waits for no man. All right, this we're going to start in New Orleans and then we're going to go on to our other stories. In my 20s, I lived in New Orleans. My apartment was in an old building that had been a brothel. Side note, the big Victorian next door had been a home for unwed mothers. Sometimes after a bad day at work or a breakup or just a terrible date, I'd come home and flop on the sofa and just feel totally bummed out. Often when that happened, I'd feel a cool hand on my forehead and a sense of a gentle care. It was like one of the girls from the brothel was feeling sorry for me. Not scary at all. In fact, it always made me feel better. Oh, that's so sweet. So sweet. All right, here's the next story. My beloved grandmother had died by the time I married my husband. I felt terrible for a while that two such wonderful and loving people never got to meet. One night, I dreamed a super realistic technicolor dream complete with smells and feelings. Scott and I were driving past my grandma's house and there she was in the garden. Oh my gosh. I knew that she had died, but I didn't care. I was so excited. I was waving and I told Scott to stop and we got out of our car and she hugged me and I felt the hug. I smelled her scent and the way her curly hair felt against my cheek. I introduced them and they hugged and then my grandma said to me scott and i are going to visit some you need to go into the house and go upstairs there's something you need to know (laughs) i know mysteries in the attic even though i just wanted to stay with her i did what she said the downstairs was like i always remembered it sights smells everything upstairs suddenly was a much older house like a hundred years old there was a huge fireplace and on the mantel were ancient photos In all of them, a black woman was holding a white child. I still don't really know what this means, but years later, I did learn that my grandpa had a second family with a black woman and a son, Jerry, who had met and who inherited part of the farm. Hmm. Maybe that was part of the message, or maybe I still don't know. Recently, I found out that my mom had a breakdown when my dad was in Vietnam and had to give me away to relatives who cared for me until I got home. Again, doesn't really fit, but maybe. Here's the weirdest part. That same night, my husband dreamed that he met my grandma. Ah, 
I was wondering if that was going to be part of it. <laughs> chills, chills. I want to know what they talked about. I know. It's like, you go upstairs, we're going to visit some, and then he oh, like really is visiting. That's so sweet. So sweet. Oh my gosh. All right, we're going to go less sweet with this last story from Anne. Okay. Okay. I grew up in a haunted 1960s suburban home. My folks bought it from the builder who lived in it with his wife and his two 20-ish daughters. His name was Mr. McDonald. There was a stain on the sculpted carpet of my bedroom that would come back if cleaned. Oh, <gasps> that's creepy. Yep. When my parents eventually replaced the carpet, my mom was sure that we'd find the kitchen exhaust fan leaking or a trapped lipstick or something. But no, nothing. So we got a new carpet. The stain came back. No way. My louvered closet door popped open at times. Middle of the night was the worst, but any time was plenty creepy. I had terrible nightmares starting when, when we moved in. Someone was always standing by my bed, malevolently staring at me, and sometimes <gasps> I felt a hand over my mouth. Oh, my God. A little while after moving in, a sheriff's deputy rang the doorbell. He was looking for a young man in his 20s who'd gone missing, and our house was the last known place that he went. We didn't know anything about this. But my mom asked the neighbors about it and they flipped out. There was a kid one of the McDonald girls dated and her dad hated this kid. He was banned from the house and from seeing her, but the neighbors would see his truck parked under her window, which was my room, by the way. Oh my gosh. And him climbing in the window. Later on, McDonald told how he caught the kid in her room and he had told him that he'd shoot him if he ever tried that little trick again a lot of people threatened to shoot people but mcdonald had already shot his wife with a pistol <gasps> he kept holstered what? to his bedside he claimed that this was a mistake and that he thought she was an intruder when she got up to go to the bathroom so anyway he just winged her nice guy oh my god bullshit he also built all of his houses on slab foundations and built several in our neighborhood we're pretty sure he killed that kid and he buried him in the foundation. And the boy haunted my room. My dad slept in there one night to see for himself. And in the morning, he said, we're switching your room. You can't oh stay God. in there. He was a veteran of World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. So not easily scared. Neither am I. But I refused at the tender age of nine to switch rooms. I had an instinct that moving would give him more power and that would be a bad thing. But I did lobby for and get my ferocious guard poodle to sleep with me. <laughs> he still haunted the room, books falling off high shelves, the closet doors, lights going on and off, and that window would unlock itself. So that's a partial list of my uncanny and odd experiences I've had. I think your show is great. More power to you, Anne. Wow. I... Well, I'm so sad for that poor boy who was killed for just trying – for being in love. Right. But I also – we don't know any backstory about him. Why was right. the father not – I mean, the father wasn't any judge of character because he was a piece of crap himself. He but, shot his wife. Um, I do wonder if it was like a bad boy or like what he was right, into that made his – the McDonald father so aggressive towards him and hate him. Right. Like he was just really, truly trying to protect his daughter. Yeah. Perhaps. I wonder, I mean, this could go either way, but like the experiences that she had, if it was scary, then I feel like maybe he's a bad spirit. But 
it sounds like the whole like covering her mouth and like all of that is like trying to keep her quiet so that they don't let the dad know that they're there, right you know? like he's sneaking it's in. like sneaking in again and and like maybe he's stuck kind of reliving that night like this is the experience that happened i also wonder if he was a bad guy you know even if you're dating someone you don't sneak into their house and cover their mouth and wake them up and break in through their window yeah. that's creepy that's stalkerish that's unhealthy yeah. the whole blood seeping through the carpet no matter what is like well yeah we don't know if it was blood it's a stain so it very well could be yeah they thought it was potentially lipstick so it sounds like it was blood colored yikes i am curious if they demolish the home one day if they find a body in the foundation well so his house was already built like this guy's house was already built and they moved into this house but it's the other houses i guess he was a builder he was a developer so it's the other houses in that neighborhood like the whole neighborhood would have to be ripped let's up just take the down slats. the whole neighborhood knock them yeah. all down you know i guess if you're going to be in that business of killing people having a building homes or maybe owning a concrete company is not a bad idea but don't give them any ideas because we know our listeners there are many killers in our listeners <laughs> <laughs> right well you know what why it's a bad idea is because it's super traceable because it's your company yeah, and your you project it. yeah so don't do that just don't kill people just don't kill people please and thank you okay well that is our new orleans episode thanks for listening so many guts and blood and horribleness if you have ghost stories and just as a note even if we've covered the topic that your story falls under you can still send it to us because we have encounters episodes and we'll probably circle back to topics in the future so email us any story doesn't matter if we've already covered the topic at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com yes another tip is that the shorter your story is the more likely it will be read because we do have time yeah. limits on our yeah on our episode so if you mm-hmm. i mean by no means does it need to be three sentences long but if you can keep it about five minutes yeah you're more likely to be read on the podcast and we have a performance coming up we're going to be on the stage yeah, we were invited to Outliers Podcast Festival. It's a two-day festival. Other podcasts will be there speaking, presenting, sitting on panels. So if you're interested in the industry or just want to come see us or other podcasters that will be at the event, we have a promo code TGOG and you can use it to get discounted tickets that let you in both days of the event. We are going to be um, Saturday sometime around midday, noon-ish. And we're really excited. And we also have Patreon. There's so many ways to support our podcast. We have Patreon. If you want to be a patron to our podcast, we have a ton of bonuses like free stickers, discounts on merch. And we're going to post actually our live show on Patreon for our patron donors. And we're talking about doing some kind of donation in the month of October. We're working on the details, but uh, if you want to help support us and support a organization in October, donate to our Patreon. Yes. Uh, We also have, I mean, it's not ours. iTunes has reviews (laughs) on us. So if you want to rate and review us five stars, that would be great. And that would help us stay relevant and stay within the top 200 comedy podcasts on the iTunes list. Mm -hmm. You can also purchase merchandise, help represent us. And also word of mouth, you guys. Just tell people tell about everyone. these ghost stories. We were recently, well, sorry, Corinne, I was recently approached by the Illuminati via our email. And they have a rule where every year you have to I didn't join, disclaimer, I did not join, but someone told us about their experience with the Illuminati and that you must every year 
bring three new members into the Illuminati or you can be kicked out. So we should do that with our podcast because we're very similar to the Illuminati. (laughs) (laughs) Except no one gets kicked out. You just get little claps for recruiting people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even talk about this. I got recognized again for the second time. I know. Wait, I want to hear about it. You didn't tell me. It, I was so lame. I was so lame. Were, I, I it doubt was, it. I was at assembly and it was River Fest and I was walking around with my two friends, Kelsey and Kelsey, and then um, meeting my cousin Lainey. And we stopped and we were like sampling all the things at all the different like stations. Mm-hmm. And we stopped to get tea and I grabbed a little tea sample and I drank it. And I go, mm, I love tea. And then I walk away and then the girl like comes over and she's like, wait, are you from the podcast? Her name is Paige. Yeah. And I was just on our Facebook page. I I was so lame. I feel bad about it. I doubt it. I like lunge towards her. I did like like a like a lunge because I I didn't know what to do. I just like (laughs) my hands were everywhere and I like did like a little workout lunge and was like, wait, do you see dead people? So <laughs> I apologize for asking publicly if you see dead people while many people were around and you were working. My I bad. love that. That's probably the, <laughs> that's the best way to talk to someone. <laughs> uh, I know, but she was working. She was like at her job. And I was like, do you see dead people? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to talk about that while they're working? Yeah. So thanks, Paige. You made my day and you made my friends think that I was cool. <laughs> You made me think you were cool too. So actually the first thing I said, I was like, ooh, Sabrina's gonna be jealous. <laughs> you said that to me and I was like, I do it to myself. I literally didn't leave my apartment on Saturday. I read a book from the beginning to the end, which was amazing, but like no wonder no one recognizes me because I never leave my house. <laughs> I'm one seriously day. like I'm in my I'm in my apartment, I'm in my car, or I'm at work. I'm never in public. Well, you I'm a very private that. person. Just just go walk on the street somewhere publicly. In your two girls, one ghost shirt. I started playing kickball. We're on a kickball league. Oh my gosh. You you actually do a lot. You're on t- two different book clubs and a kickball league. Mm-hmm. Like your days are busy. You don't have spare time. Well, I made our book club, my book, my personal book club, read the same book that our TGOG book club is reading. It's called How to Hang a Witch. How to Hang a Witch. Okay, I'll add it. I have to join another book club here, so I need to read that book first. But yeah, I'll get on it. Get on it. All All right. right. We will see you next week for more uh, scary stories, Mm -hmm. Halloween costume suggestions, and movies to add to your spooky watch list. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.